are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. One of my daughters, I won't say which one because they get embarrassed whenever I tell stories, but one of my daughters wrote a song, and uh, the song was about the need for personal space. She wrote the song when she was five years old. I don't know what was going on in her world that she felt like she had to write a song about the need for personal space, and, um, but she did. And uh, what I realize is that we are relational people. Humanity is relational by nature. And uh, while we do have a need for personal space at times, we realize that we were created not to be alone. There is a show, a TV show, that's captured my attention and uh, to the chagrin of Kristen, but it's a TV show called Alone. Has anybody seen the show Alone or recognize? Okay, we got a few. All right. I, I, I'm not ever one to... Uh, promote. I'm not going to wholesale promote it, but it, it's intrigued me. The concept of it has intrigued me. Basically, they take 10 contestants, and these 10 contestants are allowed to pick out 10 items and, uh, that they want to use to survive. And they are then taken to a remote island. Each one is dropped off individually in different areas and uh, really harsh conditions. And they're given a cell phone that they can use to call at any point, and they can, what they say, tap out. They can tap out. They can call and say, I want to leave this island. I'm done. And uh, whoever lasts the longest wins $500,000. But they don't know what the others are doing. But they are literally by themselves. They have to video record themselves. And uh, it's intriguing to watch because you see incredible feats of survival. They'll go days without food, or they're eating grubs, and they're eating things that we would not typically eat, but they're trying to not only survive, but they're trying to thrive in conditions we wouldn't normally find ourselves in. And so they demonstrate great hunting skills and fishing skills, and they build shelters, and they start fires, and they do all these things. But what's amazing to me, as often as anything... It's not the harsh conditions that get them or the lack of food or just the lack of shelter. What gets them is the fact that they are alone. And they lose it mentally. Being away from family, friends, they talk to no one. They have no expression to to be able to talk to anyone or converse with anyone. And so I just want to unpack this thought today alone. When God created the world, he created the world in Genesis chapter 1. And there's a few things that I think it's important to understand. That it seems that everything is good. Everything that God creates. So he creates light, Genesis chapter 1-4. He creates dry ground and the seas. And verse 12, the earth brought forth grass and He divided the light from the darkness in verse 18 and verse 21, sea creatures and winged birds and then 25 beasts of the earth. And it keeps saying over and over that it was good. Everyone say it was good. 
it's good. That was good. God saw that what he was making, what he was creating was good. And then he creates man, and it's good. But, but what you realize is that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, you realize God says there's something that's not good. And he's got to deal with it. And so in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says that God said it is not good. That man should what? Be alone. It's not good for man to be alone. What we realize is that Adam and Eve were created for relationship. They were created for relationship with God, and they were created for relationship with one another and those who would be born after them. It was not good that man should be alone. And you and I today are created for relationship. Most likely you came to this church today because you're in a relationship with somebody. You know somebody here. We're created for relationship. And might I say we're created for relationship with our creator. And we're created for relationship with humanity. But we find in Genesis chapter 3 we read about Adam and Eve and They ate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This was in disobedience to God's command for them and God's desire. And because of this, sin is introduced into the world. And you might say, well, what's the big deal there? But it says in Romans 5, 12, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. Sin wasn't an isolated event. It affected everybody, and it's still true today. Sin affects not just you, it affects everybody. And here is what I want to emphasize today, that sin is a separator. Sin by nature is a divider. Sin, first of all, separated humanity from God. Their sin caused them to become separated from their creator. So much so that God, would, who talked with them and walked with them daily, would have to, after their sin, go and find them. Genesis 3, verse 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They hid themselves. Sin had caused them to separate, distance themselves from their creator, so much so that God would then ask the question, Where are you? And again, I don't have time to unpack that thought, but realize God was not asking this question, where are you, because he was angry with them, he, or he didn't know where to find them. He was asking that question because he wanted them to know that he still loved them and was looking for them. So sin, though, separates us from our creator. But what else does sin do? Sin separates us from the people we're supposed to love. It wouldn't take very long where they would not only move away from God, but they would start to mistreat one another. It would be after the birth of Adam and Eve's sons, Cain and Abel, that you see the horrors of sin being realized where Cain would kill Abel. And so sin's path, and you know it to be true. If you've lived any length of time, you know it's true. Sin's path will always destroy 
relationships. Because sin's way is selfishness and pride. Sin has a way of causing us to want to live for ourselves, to live according to our own desires, to look out for what? Number one. Sin causes separation from God. It causes separation from the people we love. Sin causes distance. What we see is the path of sin has one destination, and that is death. And what is death? Death is the ultimate separator, isn't it? Sin is the ultimate separator. We've all probably lost somebody we've loved. And what's so hard about that is because you know that you are distant from them now. You'll not be able to talk to them. You'll not be able to communicate with them. And death has a way of making the pain of separation so strong. But while sin alienated us from God and separated us from each other, God had a plan from the beginning for the consequence of sin. God created a plan to combat sin and its effects. And so the great prophet Isaiah would write in chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from the time this time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God had created a way to deal with the separation that humanity has with him. And however promising this Messiah would be, He would have to take sin, take on sin to defeat sin. He would have to experience the ugliness of sin. He would have to face the alienating consequences of humanity. This Christ that was promised to be wonderful counselor would have to subject himself to the cruelty of humanity. And this Christ, he came into the world not heralded, not celebrated, not to a big crowd. But where did he come? He came to a place where he was all alone, in a place that was known to only the animals. And he lived in obscurity until he was 30 years old, and he began his ministry by being driven into the wilderness where all alone At 33, as he began the road towards the fulfillment of his purpose, he would find himself alone in his darkest hour. And Jesus would find himself in a garden. He had invited three friends to come with him. He had invited them to be near him and invited them to pray with him. But just as humanity is, humanity didn't quite live up to their uh, own end of the bargain. And those three disciples fell asleep, leaving Jesus Christ by himself to pray alone. And so he agonized with God to let him escape the horrific consequences of sin to the point that he finally surrendered to God to say, I surrender not my will, but your will be done. 
And as the time of his sacrifice came near, he would be led down a road. He would not be with his followers. He would not be led down the road with those who were celebrating him, but rather those who had deserted him and hated him. He was left to the mercy of the hatred of humanity. He was left all alone. And it would be in this moment that the prophet Isaiah would help us understand what was happening in this moment. Isaiah would write in 53, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But we understand he was wounded. Why? For our transgressions. He was bruised. Why? For our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He would carry the iniquity. He would carry the sin of us all. This innocent one would carry our sin and our guilt. And there's only one consequence for sin, and it is death. And so while on the cross, while being the outcast of humanity, he realized that the ultimate consequence of his uh, acceptance of this journey was death. And he quotes the great Uh, King David from Psalm chapter 22, while he's hung there on the cross, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now his connection to God is even severed on the cross. Humanity has rejected him and he feels all alone from God. But we understand today that wasn't the end of his story. Jesus not only died and was buried, but the greatness of his story is that he rose again. Death, the great separator, no longer had dominion. And the great separator of death was defeated. So what does that mean for us today as I'm coming to a close? Jesus would tell his followers after his resurrection. He said, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third days. Why? That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. In other words, there was an escape for the consequence of sin. You could have your sins literally remitted or washed away the word literally means forgiven. And he said, you're witnesses of these things. Behold, I'm going to send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. And so it would be these words of Jesus that 
Peter, that great apostle, would stand up on the day of Pentecost and Peter would say to those who were saying, what should we do about our sin? Peter said this, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? For the forgiveness or remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are what? Afar off. Those who are all alone. Those who are distant from God. Those who have pushed away God. He's saying my spirit is available for you. And so this spirit of God can dwell in us. And Jesus would tell, talk about it. He would call it the helper. I'm going to send the helper to you. In John chapter 14, verse 18, Jesus says to his disciples, I will not leave you orphans. I'm not going to leave you all alone, but I'm going to come to you. And so we realize that no matter how far sin has pushed us away from God, no matter how far sin has pushed us away from each other relationally, there's a lot of hatred in the world. Unfortunately, there's a lot of hatred in the world. But let me tell you, it's the Jesus Christ who is able to provide reconciliation. Why? Because he became sin. Sin alienates. Sin destroys. Sin estranges. Sin separates and divorces and kills and hates. But Jesus came to close that gap. In Colossians 1.21, he said, And you who were once alienated... And enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has what reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless above reproach in his sight. Ephesians 2, Paul wrote, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we come back to the same idea that we started with. We were created for a relationship. We were created for a relationship with our creator. And we were created for a relationship with humanity. In the Old Testament, there's two commandments that are the greatest. Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's an invitation to relationship with God. And then in Leviticus 19... It says, you shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. An invitation to love those around you. And so Jesus quoted this and he said that these two were the greatest commandments. I'm so thankful today for these organizations that are represented today because they show us, they show us how to love people. People who are broken. People who maybe their own, their own fault are where they are. We could blame them for what they have done. Blame them for where they are. But God said that he loved them anyway. Didn't matter how much the sin was, how great the sin was, how far it separated them from God. He said, I love them. That much. And these organizations that are here, I commend these leaders who are here, who are loving people all over this city. 
And I pray the Calvary Church would get a glimpse of that today. I pray you, if you're a guest here today, would understand the ability we have as humanity to love one another. There shouldn't be anybody in our society or in our culture that is left alone. There's no one in our culture that should be left alone. And we have an opportunity to help with that. But today, I want you to stand. I imagine there might be some here today who you feel alone or abandoned. Even in a large crowd, you ever been, ever felt alone in a large crowd? You can feel like no one cares. But I want to tell somebody today that Christ, his work on the cross was so that you would never be left alone. He said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And God comes to us through his, the power of his spirit that lives inside of us. And so today, if you're feeling alone, maybe your sin has pushed you away from God. Today, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that somehow you would be able to sense a God who is not pushing you away because of your sin, but is reaching for you because he took on sin so we could be forgiven of our sin. And I want to pray for you in this moment. Lord, I thank you, God, for your word today. I thank you, God, for the realization that even, God, when we do things that oppose you or do things that we know probably don't please you, you don't give up on us. God, I thank you for these organizations that are here today that are speaking love and life into our community, that no matter where somebody finds themselves, Maybe life's been cruel, or maybe they've been ignorant. But Lord, they're not left to walk alone. I thank you for every intervention. Every person, Lord, who's reaching out to those who are desperate. Lord, because we have the opportunity to show your love, to show your kindness, because you care about us. God, I'm praying for those who maybe are brokenhearted in this room today or are facing some conflict in their life, and they might feel alone. I pray the power of your spirit would come to them today. God, that even those who are here who maybe feel something in this room that they've not, they're not used to feeling, Lord, would understand that you don't just want them to feel it on the outside, but, Lord, you want to fill them with your spirit. God, you want to see them turn their life to you, surrender their life and their will to you in repentance to receive the forgiveness of sins through baptism in your name. And God, you have promised your power to reside in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing among us. As we're in this moment and your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, I wonder if somebody in this room would maybe raise your hand and say, I, I need prayer today. I, I feel alone. There's a circumstance in my life that you feel alone, you feel abandoned, I want you to lift your hand. I'm going to pray specifically for you today. Amen. We've got several in this room today who need special prayer. And I want us to pray. I want the Calvary Church, I want you to pray in this moment that the Lord would touch those that are in this room. Now, we have a tradition here in our Pentecostal church where we lay hands on one another. We're not going to do 
that to a harsh degree today. But if you're next to somebody and you feel to put your hand on their shoulder or just grab their hand and pray with them, we're going to pray today that God would help in this room. God would work in this room because his love is represented in this room. God wants to restore relationships. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring strength to some of you in this room today. And let's pray together. Lord, I thank you, God, for your kindness that we feel in this room. We feel, God, not only your love today, but we feel the love of one another that's represented in this room. God, we want to have each other's backs, Lord. We want to have, God, an ability to care for one another. But I pray we would understand your love in a profound way because we really can't love one another unless we understand the love that you have for us. How far you came to love us, how far you came to care for us, Lord. And it's out of that love that we can love really one another. Lord, I thank you, God, for your kindness that we feel in this room. I pray for healing of bodies that are in this room. I pray for recovery, those who are addicted, Lord, in this room. I pray you would give them the power to overcome. Lord, I pray, God, that you would restore relationships. You would reconcile families. You would reconcile children to parents. And, God, you would bring healing to those who are broken in this room because we know that you're able. Thank you, O oh God. Thank you, O oh God. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, Thanks for listening.